Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Hello, and welcome to episode number 11 of the Create More podcast, hosted by me, Ben Stewart, interviewing the creative minds behind inspirational ideas. On this fortnight's podcast, I'm going to be talking all about podcasts. And uh, to be more specific, I will be talking exactly about my podcast, exactly how I did it uh, and why I did it. I've had quite a few questions on Twitter about it. And um, part of the very original idea of the podcast was that it was a behind the scenes look at different industries in and around London. And these, this is exactly what gets me really excited is, is to find out more about uh, industries and things that I literally know nothing about. I mean, since doing the podcast, the amount the amount of experiences that I've had that I, there's just no way I would have had without it. I mean, I've gone to artists, structural engineers, architects, uh, musicians. I've been to uh, special effects houses, animation houses, all to try and get more podcasts uh, and more interviews. And I realized as I went on, the reasons I was doing it was I was like, I was genuinely excited to find out how they did their jobs. And I've had quite a few questions on Twitter to talk about how I've done this podcast and why I've done this podcast. So, um, yeah, so there's no there's no famous names on this podcast. There, there is, it is just going to be me, and I hope that over about half an hour, forty minutes, uh, that's something you want to listen to. If not, go back to any number of the other ten that I've done, which I'm really proud of. We've had uh, architects Ken Shutterworth, we've had musicians and Scroobius Pitt, we've had artists and David Batchelor. We've had loads of really interesting people, and uh, there are ten episodes I'm really proud of, and that was series one, and. Um, I've already lined up five for series two and something that I really wanted to do was, uh, this is kind of an intermediate, but behind the scenes. So the principle of it was finding this behind the scenes idea and something that uh, I find really interesting is to find out that it's really hard work coming up with like cool ideas. Um, and I feel very much that this is just a step in a much longer journey. And I wanted to try loads of different things. So this is just, this is just me interviewing myself, essentially, and explaining to other people. And even if only five people listen to it and really enjoy it, then do you know what? I'm actually really happy with that. Um, I'll go into the podcast more about how I did it. But essentially, I started off... And on the first day, I got 60 downloads, which I was like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Uh, And then I'll explain why uh, and how. But that very quickly dribbled off to about one or two. So for about two months, I just had one or two. And you know what? I was I actually was fine with that because there was no pressure on me, absolutely nothing. And I loved it. And then slowly and I'll explain how started picking up marketing, started getting involved with iTunes. And then suddenly I was having 150 downloads a day. Oh, stressed me out. I really did. So, uh, uh, and I don't know why. Uh, so, having this kind of stopgap has made me like look back and realise what I really enjoy about the podcast. So, um, so yeah. So, oh my god! And do you know what? I always forget to say exactly the same thing at the beginning of my intros, and I finally remembered. 
after the end of the series on one where I've got no one famous to interview and you're just listening to me. But I really want to say thank you to Acast. And if you're listening to this on iTunes or SoundCloud, that's fantastic. You know, that's a brilliant place to go and get uh, podcasts from. Essentially, with Acast, as you're listening, I talk about a podcast or talk about an image or talk about a building or talk about anything. And on your phone or on your web browser, the image pops up. And I think particularly for this kind of very visual-based medium that I like kind of exploring, it's it just works so well to have these kind of images and to kind of create a story and stuff. So, uh, yeah, Acast have been brilliant. And, again, it's all free. I mean, that's the great thing. I'm, I'm sure if I could, if someone offered me money for advertising, I would be well up for it. Why not? But uh, no one has, and that's fine as well. Uh, yeah, I really do just do it because I really enjoy doing them. Like, I got so excited knowing I had some time today to do this. So I hope that comes across in the podcast. And um, so, yeah, so the following podcast will be all about episodes 1 to 10. It'll be about the beginning of why I did the podcast, why I think I like podcasts, and then all the equipment I used. And then... At the end of the podcast, I will explain exactly uh, who I've got lined up for episode, for series two, which is uh, really exciting. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned, and I really hope you enjoy it. And I've remembered again. Uh, tweet me at Create More Podcast. Uh, ask any questions or email me directly. I've got the link on there, but uh, it'd be great to hear more from you guys. So, uh to the subscribers, and we have well over 200 now. Thank you so much for subscribing. Uh, it really, really helps. And uh, I got to a point where I think a lot of people may have just been clicking on it, you know, listening to 5, 10, 20 minutes. I have no idea. And then, you know, maybe not listen to the rest. But I do know that the people who are subscribing, uh, that's that to me is a more important statistic. So to the subscribers out there, thank you so much. And yeah, please share this podcast with other people. That'd be really helpful. And uh, yeah, so enjoy. Okay, well, I'm actually going to have some sort of intro now. If you're still listening, that means you are quite curious about podcasts, and why shouldn't you be? I do think that they are. I'm obviously listening to them all the time, uh, so I, I really, but I, I really feel that uh, they're a very democratic way to listen to broadcasting now because. There's no filter on podcasts. I mean, the only reason I don't swear more uh, is because you have to put an explicit uh, tag on iTunes and uh, it just, there was no reason not to. But I do I do think uh, this is just a, this is a pre-podcast thing, but I do think it's interesting that if you look at the way Twitter and YouTube uh, and all these different things anyone has a platform like anyone can reach to anyone there's no like I think I guess the funnels of information are changing and I feel that uh when I first listened to podcasts but probably back at uni about five years ago I used to listen to things like the Chris Moyles podcast I used to love Chris Moyles but that would just be a highlights reel a lot of them would be highlights reels actually so they'd be like a you know it would be another way to get people to listen to your radio show and that was one way to do it but then you look at the kind of the Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant podcast and obviously Mr. Carl Pilkington, and they were the kind of first ones, not only was theirs absolutely comedy genius, but they were really the first ones to, well, one, they monetized it, which must have made them an absolute fortune. Uh, you know, we get a million downloads per podcast. Let's just charge a pound per podcast. Uh 
which seems like we'd never do that now. But back then, people were happy to pay that. So, um, but then there was a bit of a lull. I'd, I'd, I don't know if I didn't get into it, but this was, um, I started getting back into them about a year ago. Um, this is while I was working at a Broadgate. It was quite a quite a stressful big project, and you know you're downstairs in a basement in the you know in the underground car park area, and you know you're working away in this like concrete box, and uh, you know I just needed something to listen to and kind of music, you know, was a bit too distracting, and uh, so one of my colleagues was like, uh, you should listen to um, the Nerdist podcast, and. I guess I was I was quite used to BBC style podcasts, you know, very slick production, something that seemed a million miles away for me to try and do myself. Uh, that wasn't even in the back of my head, but I listened to, you know, like really big, famous productions and stuff. You know, if you think of all the different type of documentary channels, stuff, you know, really informative. Uh, I listened to 99% Invisible, which is another amazing podcast all about how de- like good design should be invisible. And they explain all these backgrounds about queuing strategy in Disney and stuff and uh, they were brilliant but you know really kind of really thought-provoking really interesting listen to the Nerdist one and there's just a guy having a chat with a really famous actor for an hour an hour of a famous actor's time amazing uh, and had like it genuinely felt like a pub chat so I was like wow that's cool what an amazing thing to do like why haven't they done one in the you know why isn't there one in the UK or anything Again, there was nothing in the back of my head about doing a podcast. Um, but if you're interested in this type of podcast, I'm pretty sure you will have heard of The Nerdist anyway, but if you haven't, um, the one that got me really excited, there was two very specific ones, and they're actually both by movie directors, which is interesting, but uh, I was thinking about that, and I do think movie directors are similar to architects in a way, and uh, nowhere near as cool architects are nowhere near as cool as film directors but I mean like architects of a big project uh, very rarely do any individual thing other than kind of direct the movement of the project and I feel that directors have to have an eye on lots and lots of different mediums you know like advertising directing all those different things are on top of their normal job and I feel that architecture especially these bigger projects, it's all about selling a story you know like and I feel directors have exactly the same thing and they're really no different you know the actual background stuff is the same but I listened to John Favreau who's the director of Iron Man, Swingers and Chef and uh, man it was so good he was explaining you know like this is how I started I started as a low level director and I worked my way up and you know I messed up loads and you know I felt the best times was where you know I just did it purely because it was something I loved and people liked it and then I did another one, people didn't like it, and man, I just got pushed around, and then, do you know, I thought, sod it, I'll just do it this way, and really inspiring, and then um, the one that kind of really caught my attention was the one afterwards I listened to by Kevin Smith, who I'm sure you've heard of him, the director of Clerks and Dogma and stuff, man, and that one was so good, because they, um, he just did, he was like, why would anyone want to look watch a film about me and my mates talking absolute bullshit, and he did it, and it was brilliant and it made me think you know like right now why wouldn't anyone watch a film about me and my mates talking I know that's utterly ridiculous no one do it because that genuinely would be really boring but that was that mindset of 
him just going, yeah, sod it, I want to watch it. My mates want to watch it. So sod it, I'm going to do it. And he had this really cool phrase. He was like, man, you just got to find something that you're like, you'll die if you don't do. And he was really overanimated about it. But he was like, you know, I just knew if I didn't make a film, oh, I just, I'd die if I knew I went through my whole life never having done that before. Um, but I'm British, so I scaled it down a bit. Uh, and uh, it got me thinking having worked at Make for quite a long period of time, I'd started to build up a few contacts. But, you know, very, very, very early contacts. And uh, I really wanted to... I honestly wanted to talk to them more. Like, I guess I'm just really, really curious about what other people do and how they do it. Like, I really like finding out how other people's jobs works because I kind of... I, I'm, I'm so narrow-minded when it comes to things I'm interested in. So at uni, I was obsessed with, like... Um, I was obsessed with the architecture side, but really no one else is other than my own bits that I wanted to look at. Uh, and then suddenly I come into make. And so, for example, like in my first practice, I was um, I was sat in a room working on one building with two other architects and they both lived in Birmingham. I lived just outside of Birmingham for a year. We all did very similar things. So, you know, like my little world of things that I was aware of were just going to work talking about the same buildings, having very similar lives and coming home. Now at Make, like at the current project I'm on, I sit next to a guy called Dragon from Skopje and he's done Macedonia. He's done a TED talk. I sit next to a guy called Zach who's from Canada and he like, he's a tutor at the Bartlett. This is all on top of our day job. Um, I find out like people at Make have done Kickstarter campaigns. People at Make have like done art projects. They've done these amazing sporting things like this. Just it suddenly made me feel like, oh god, like just architecture isn't enough. And I was, I was a really negative way of thinking about it. So I, I like, I didn't want to come home and do more architecture. Like it's so all encompassing during the day. And I wanted, to, I really wanted to kind of do something else. And I do remember something my old boss uh, told me. Uh, this is not a make. This is at my old practice in Birmingham. He's like, Ben you talk too much and you're way too nice to people. And that was like a derogatory way of saying, well, one, I, I guess it was probably implying I wasn't particularly involved in what I was doing. And two, that I was just super nice to people, uh, but would want to get into people, got in with people and with contractors and stuff that uh, made me a bit of a pushover. But, you know, I learned my lesson. I was only, I was in my part one. Uh, but, you know, turn your weakness into your positives, I guess. So then on iTunes, uh, it said, well, if you like... Chris Hardwick on Nerdist, you might also like Scroobius Pip. And, you know, I've repeated that. I'm repeating myself a bit. But uh, if you haven't listened to Scroobius Pip podcast, like that's a the whole podcast wouldn't have happened if I hadn't have kind of carried on with what I'm about to say, which was. Um, OK, so I didn't I'd never actually heard of Scroobius Pip, never heard of him. So, you know, I did tell him this uh but there was him interviewing Russell Brand, Zane Lowe, Simon Pegg, a guy I'd never heard of with a stutter, choosing to talk to an hour with really famous people. Uh, and I thought, all right, I've got to be able to do that. Come on. Um, so I thought, mm, uh, you know, obviously later on I find out he's really famous, he's done a radio show for a year interviewing people so uh that's why his podcast was so good but it stick in my head um so i spoke to my colleague craig and we were like we uh you just like what i come up with a lot of ideas uh i guess that's another frustrating thing uh 
I have hundreds of ideas and normally tell my wife. I feel like one of those like kooky inventors who like invent some sort of totally useless tool that never gets used, but he's obsessed with it. And I was just getting, I was just getting more and more frustrated that I would just come up with an idea and then I just about to say, like, yeah, do you know what? That's stupid. That's stupid. Like, I wanted to do a Kickstarter campaign for like a, uh, like an inflating balloon that glows in the river as part of my thesis project. Yeah, I can't be bothered to do that. And then I went to this thing called the Fairy Train, Alexandra Palace, where they put like uh, motion-activated fairy lights and all the trees in the kind of really dark part of the foresty area. I was like, I could go to the council. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to do that. And uh, so I just kept, kept getting annoyed. And then I spoke to Craig, and he was like, "Well, you know, I actually can't remember why, uh, why, how, who suggested this, the idea of doing a podcast." Um, but when Craig said it, it really stuck in my head and I thought about it on and off for a couple of weeks. And um, I thought about, do you know what? I'm going to do a podcast. And then I was like, mm, I don't know, let's do a podcast. Uh, and then I had a cup of coffee. The reason I say this is I normally tend to have an intense, furious 45 minutes of ideas making while I've had a coffee. And then slowly over the rest of the day, Oh, God, why did I just send all those emails out after a coffee? Way too much energy. But I sent an email to Mr. Scroobius Pip. You know, finding out he was famous, had like 100,000 Twitter followers and, you know, done his own music videos, had millions of views on YouTube, didn't expect a response back. And he responded within 20 minutes. Uh, I literally said to him, I'm uh, thinking of a podcast, I really like your podcast. Uh, no, I didn't sound like that. Uh, but I did ask him, you know, do you have any advice? Do you, how do you organise podcasts? I mean, I guess you just interview people, but do you sign release forms? Like, do you know, you take photos of them? Do you need to sign anything? Uh, like, do you ever have to cut it? Uh, do they ever stop the interviews? You know, I asked him like quite a few quite in-depth questions. Bearing in mind, I am a nobody. So... He responded in like 20 minutes. So I was like, holy shit. Uh, and he said, never signed a release form. I've never had to. I was getting really well with the people. Uh, just if you're worrying about it, just do it. Because he loves doing the podcast. And you can tell by the way he does the interviews and stuff. So um, I was like, sod it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, and then, so where to start? I was like, well, do you know what? Like, I go out every lunch at Craig at lunch. That's an hour. How am I going to be to talk for an hour? This is uh, this was a uh, naive Ben who loves the idea of something coming through thick and strong there, and you know, Craig was like, well, he was saying, you know, you should do it, but you know, why are you doing it? What do you want the name to be? You know, we started asking all these questions, and then I um, I was like, what what do I want it? What do I want it to be about? Uh, and then the one that Craig really asked me, which did freak me out. He was like, uh, like an hour's like quite a long time to fill. What are you going to talk about? And that worried me. The idea of like empty, empty podcast audio in a room with two people when you've run out of things to say freaked me out really badly. So I was like, right, I need, what am I going to call it first? Uh, how do we even know I can do a podcast? Can I even interview someone? Like you know, it's one thing to say, I'm going to sit down and interview someone for an hour. It's a very different thing to do it. But I'll start with the name, Create More. So originally, while I was at Make, 
I was doing a project for my mum. We were designing, like, renovating a double garage on our house into a library. My mum's um, mum's an MP and has, like, a house in London. She needs somewhere in Birmingham. And she has thousands of books she's collected over the years as, like, a, like a law tutor and stuff. So she wanted to, like, consolidate all that. And I was like, she was like, do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, I want to do it. Uh, and I had, we you know, these wonderful ideas of, like, oh, I could do it under my own brand. Uh, and... So I came up with this idea of played architecture or played designs, P-L-A-Y-D. And that was my Twitter handle for ages. And I loved this idea of having this kind of separate entity from Make, you know, parallel with Make that was very much my own personality. So that I think was a big thing. It was it was just not worrying about what other people thought and just doing something purely for myself. Um and I also saw a Google thing of this idea of like 80-20, so 80% work, 20% kind of side projects, uh, which help your work as you feed back into it. And make have been, they couldn't have been more supportive uh, for everything that I've done. So I owe a huge amount to them. Um, so yeah, so I started this idea of played and P-L-A-Y-D. Uh, and it was this idea of played with design, play with design. That was that was the principle behind it. Um, and play with design I was going to do kind of fun, in inverted commas, architecture. Um, so I start, like I love my mum's German. So they really like quite colourful, powerful colours. I mean, we, I mean, especially if you go abroad, you suddenly realise that we Brits have a very kind of um, white, cream, pastel colours. Uh, and then in Germany, it's like these really like amazing like glass colours like bright red this is in Bavaria I should point out so in like deep deep Bavarian German but I loved all that so I started looking more at like how is colour used and it was um I'd done this uh, thing with make with the doll's house and I'd done like a rainbow coloured piece of thread of a star that went through and I loved doing it and so this idea of played player design and then I started thinking different names of the podcast like the played podcast oh that's I like that played podcast but then I realised it meant nothing you know everyone would misspell it no one would know what it was. Um, and then I came up with a tagline, which was uh, stop consuming, start creating. Uh, and this was a, a lot of this was a reaction to where I was currently working, uh, which was a very kind of very intense, serious environment. And there's like a like a pressure release. I just kept buying pointless crap or would like... Uh, you know, it was really important that I had to buy the latest thing and it was, you know, it was bugging me that I kept doing it. So I said, stop, start, stop consuming, start creating. And I was like, the stop consuming, start creating podcast. That sounds crap. Uh, let's just ditch the stop consuming slightly negative because, uh, you know, consume, you know, corporate consumerism, I guess, is how the whole world goes around. So I was like, start creating, mm, start creating podcast create more just create more of anything got it and honestly the second I had that name I felt it was uh it's kind of a very simple and easy to understand name and that's something that people have really connected to um so if you're thinking of starting a podcast uh the name is like it's not super important but mine's kind of I could have called it the it's been crap but the Ben Stewart architecture podcast but well one I didn't want it just to be about architecture for me it's about storytelling uh and I've realized that as we've gone on um the things that I really love are storytelling and 
as I go through the, each of the podcasts, everyone who I've interviewed has this wonderful way of like creating images that create this like quite evocative stories. And, and that's that story, once it's sold to someone, it's kind of an idea in their head and that, you know, like, I don't know, it's a really powerful thing. And um, so this idea of create more was general enough that it meant I could interview loads of different people and as it went on I just realized like I don't know how to do that I want to find out more about that person I would love to find out how to start run a big practice I would love to find out how do you how do you become a musician I know that sounds really stupid obviously you pick up an instrument become a musician but like more like how do you sell that creative interest so I kept saying creative entrepreneurs and that was a big thing that create more behind the scenes of creative entrepreneurs that was my like tagline right so um and then so once I had that I had a really strong idea of what I wanted to do and then you know if you've listened to the Scroobius Pit podcast I copy that format almost exactly because I felt it worked really really well I loved finding out more about personalities and uh, the Nerdist one is exactly the same as that one and then the Joe Rogan one's a much longer version of that one and it's kind of these lengthy podcasts you know I imagine that a lot of people will have stopped listening by now but there'll be a small group who tweet and chat to me who do listen and I'll get onto it later on and I'll talk about it more but it's like who am I doing this podcast for Try, am I trying to generate as many listeners as possible trying to please this invisible crowd or do I do exactly what I want to do and hopefully there'll be a small number of people that enjoy it and that was a really big thing going back to the Kevin Smith uh, podcast he was like with niche audiences now and with the entire internet he's like you only need a thousand people a month and that's an that's a brilliant core amount of people who will talk to you and engage with you and a thousand people is really good I mean if you just want to make money, then, you know, there's other ways. I could split this into four 50-minute podcasts, release one every couple of days or every couple of weeks or whatever. And, but I didn't want to do that. Like, there will be uh, a small amount of people who listen to this regularly, and I know there is, and they're the people I'm doing this for. And I kept comparing myself to Scrooby's Pips podcast because I had this kind of, I had this uh, connection with him that I would email him each time I would uh, I would do stuff. So... Um, and I kept, and obviously he's got really famous people. He's really famous. So he, he actually, when I spoke to him, he was like, well, I actually thought you have to be doing a podcast for a year before it gets famous. And I actually should have had that clear in my head, uh, when doing the podcast, because, uh, it's kind of taken the pressure off me and and I'll, I'll come into that more. But, um, so that, that's going to be the first third. I'm going to split this podcast into three acts, but I just thought I would, um, Actually, you know that I will. There's uh, there's something else that I thought was quite important was um, uh, so this idea of kind of incorporating ideas. So, so yeah, I was working at uh, Make, and we were in Arabs, kind of temporary offices between working our old office and our new office that we're currently in. And uh, it was quite a bland office. It was quite like uh, you know, corporately boring. It was uh, very white and really good acoustics, and that meant it sounded like a library. And we were way too few people spread over way too much space. So something that I really wanted to do was this, I, I called it promoting personalities. And um, again, this kind of, I feel, led on to what would become the podcast. But the idea was there, but the implementation of the idea was wrong. And I, I chose this kind of wall 
really prominent wall in our reception area. And I said, everyone in the office gets like a 300 mil by 300 mil square on that wall. And inside that square, you can do whatever you want. You know, you can do a piece of art, you can do a sculpture, you can do a picture. And, you know, every time someone came in, you'd see this wall of different people's kind of pictures and stuff. And I... um I love this idea of uh, lots of ideas, you know, loads of different personalities and ideas. And then I went to the director and said, and he was like, well, it's not really, it's not really something we want to do. Got different ideas to that wall, you know, something more of architecture. And I was like, oh, okay. Mm. And then, do you know what? It came around two years later. I was like, that's what the podcast is. It's promoting personalities. So I um, I love the idea of loads of different personalities under one roof and if you look up my logo so as I, as I came up with create more uh I came up with a sketchy one and stuff but then you've got to try and grab people's attention so I came up with a really strong bold title create more podcast and kind of like open lettering and then the idea of it the the kind of I went through loads of iterations but the one I settled on was this um uh lots of different angled triangles uh all different colors and this was this idea of like all different you know on their own they're one certain thing but actually there's this beautiful image of lots and lots and lots of different colors all making up one piece which is kind of what i want where i wanted the podcast to go you know in a couple of years time imagine if i've done 30 podcasts i mean that's such a diverse range of people i'd love to try and get so um yeah that is kind of the premise and how i did uh, how the kind of podcast originally started and I got the name. Um, so then, you know, where to go from there? You know, like, how the hell do I do one? So ooh, I needed to rehearse and practice ooh, so much harder than it thinks. Uh, so I thought, right, who do I know that's serious enough to be intimidating that I should try and interview? So I was thinking around and we went on holiday. I went on holiday with my mum and uh, my family and... Uh, as my mum's a Labour MP, Gisela Stewart for, for Edgbaston, and she brought her campaign manager along because this was just before the election. So this was, I guess, a couple of months before the election uh, in 2015. So, I mean, we were on holiday, but her and her campaign manager, campa- campaign manager were, uh, sure, they were somewhere warm, but they definitely uh, were not on holiday. And man, they were so intense together. I mean, they were like... Um, kind of constantly uh, constantly chatting and stuff about uh, the election and how, you know, they're being really intense. And I, I actually don't really know very much about politics. So they were talking and I thought, man, if I can control those two talking for about half an hour, I'll record it. So I set my phone on. I got like a, a podcast app, naturally. What's the first thing you do when you want to do a podcast? So I got the podcast app, you know, walked up to the table, slid it in the middle and then just uh, started asking Caroline a few questions and they both looked at me <clears throat> and, you know, I was asking from a totally naive point of view. And I was like, well, if I can ask these guys questions, then that, you know, if I can control those two, then I surely can control someone my own age and my own experience. So I slid the phone in and uh, ended up like asking them all about their kind of the campaign strategy and like uh why they want to, why my mum became an mp why uh why caroline became a campaign manager like all i really enjoyed it and um so like after 40 minutes uh I, they I let them carry on talking and i went upstairs and listened back to the audio on my on my iphone and uh that was the do you know what that was the first time i'd heard my own voice and i've got used to it now uh and i love it no uh the first time i heard my voice uh, it's T 
Tinny and Raspy. Uh, I guess everyone has that that feeling. Uh, yeah, so I listened to it and I was like, oh, God. What if people just find my voice really annoying? Ooh, I don't know. Anyway, so I kept that recording and that, that was really good. Uh, that gave me a lot of confidence. So then I went on um, and I was like, all right, I need some equipment. So I emailed... Uh, Mr. Scroobius Pitmeyer, I guess he's basically become my mentor in this podcast. Uh, I'm sure he doesn't think like that, but but I do. And um, so when I, I actually worked to the project, uh, I designed like a, a recording studio for him, a very small one out in his garden. It was brilliant. It kind of, uh, it, I got to work with him and it was really interesting to kind of see how he worked. And uh, he showed me his podcast equipment. And man, it was really, really expensive. It was like, like, BBC grade recording equipment. Um, I was like, oh, Jesus, that's like three or four grand's worth of equipment. I don't have that. Um, but if you're listening to this and you want to know what I would suggest uh, for podcast equipment, now it seems like the perfect time to go into it. So um, huh, if you've been listening just to find out what equipment I've been used, uh, you've really had to listen to quite a lot of podcasts already. But so this is the principle of how I wanted to do it. I was told by my work that I could use a lapel mic, which is a little microphone that sits on your shirt or your jumper. And um, they they can get quite good audio. Um, but I really, I strongly believe that a good podcast should have really good audio. And that's something that people have kind of been quite surprised about, about mine is that, um, you know, a few of the podcasts were quite difficult because of the environment I was in. But actually, when I'm on my own, like recording now, I'm really impressed with the quality. And I don't think it sounds that much different from the more professional ones uh, recording wise. And that's um, that's because the lapel mics are good. But if someone like if someone moves around, I mean, you can hear this if I like if I come really close, you can hear like that's me like move my shirt around and stuff like they're so sensitive. And if people move around, people generally tend to be quite animated while they're talking. It rustles and it's really loud. And um they're not very bassy. Um, I don't mean like Barry White bassy, but uh, I just mean uh, there's that extra level of quality I feel that you can hear. And um, I also, uh, I wanted to create a sense of drama when we're doing the podcast. And I, by that, I mean, I wanted to come across as professional. I didn't, if I just sat a little microphone on the side or two little lapel mics and just had a little sketchbook, it would feel very much like I was just some random guy and this other, I didn't want, I didn't ever want the other person to feel like they were wasting their time sitting down with me. That's something I feel really strongly about was that, um, you know, I'll get back to the equipment, but I'm pretty sure I could now wing an interview. You know, I, I'm pretty sure if someone said, oh, Ben, by the way, there's so-and-so in that next room. Uh, I just want to go interview him. Boom. I could do it straight away. Um, but, uh, well, one, I would feel that I wasn't taking the interview serious enough. Uh, and I never, ever want to feel that I feel like I'm just winging it with that person. Like that person's given up an hour or an hour and a half of their time for someone who, you know, to them really doesn't mean very much. I think I think it's incredibly generous of them. And I want to, in return, really make them feel that when I arrive, although I'm not a professional podcaster, that I look and sound and I'm confident enough to, to kind of give that sense off. So... Um, I use my Apple Mac laptop. I've got a, um, a MacBook Pro. Um, they look awesome and too, they never crash. Uh, touch wood. If this does crash, that'd be quite annoying. They And they look great. And um, you set that up and then I've got a uh, Focusrite 2 channel amp. Um, 
It is a Scarlett 2i2 Focusrite amp. It's got two two separate channels. <clears throat> and uh, the advantage of that is that uh, when two people are talking, uh, during the conversation, I can tweak those levels as people are talking. So um, I can... If someone, you know, leans back and, the, and their voice goes really, really quiet, I'm then able to kind of, you know, change the gain so their voice becomes louder or softer. Um, and some people, like, they really lean in and and then you can adjust the gain as well. But also um, with the software, you're able to manipulate both channels independently. So uh, that's brilliant. And uh, the Focusrite amp, uh, purely from an aesthetical point of view, is um, like metallic red gold and it looks it's a fantastic little amp and it's powered off the laptop um so essentially with my with the laptop and that Focusrite amp uh i've got two total two separate microphones um i don't need a power source because once my laptop's fully charged um I can record anywhere. I mean i did say in one of the interviews i could record in a field if i want to i don't know why and then i heard a uh a podcast with uh, the guy from Adam and Joe. Damn it, what's his name? I can't remember. Anyway, he does a podcast and he actually records himself uh, while walking with his dog. Um, I mean, that really would be... Uh, that would be quite a dull podcast if someone was to listen to me doing that. But uh, Adam Buxton, there you go. Uh, but, I've you know, when I went to interview Assemble Studios, I was in their meeting room, uh, in the back of their meeting room, and I couldn't get the power cable to reach. I didn't realise that until we were there, but it, it wasn't a problem because um, it gives me complete flexibility to just turn up anywhere. And then, right, what have I got? So the, uh, I'm just looking. So then I've got two XLR cables uh, and they give really high quality audio. And then I've actually got two angle poise like lamp arms, which come with a microphone stand at the end. Um, and then what microphones have I got? I've got, uh, they are Audio Technica. And they are R2100 USB, uh, UBS, USB microphones. Um, again, you can get cheaper microphones. These were, I got them from America. They were, I got two microphones and they were like, a, they were 100 quid from America, 120 quid. But in the UK, they're 250 quid or 200 pounds to two microphones, which again, I know sounds a lot of money, but they look great. Uh, and the sound quality is amazing from them. Uh, they're, they're specifically for audio, for podcasts and stuff. So um, I, I chose, so when I set up, uh, I sit down with that person and I set up the laptop and I plug this like really like nice looking Focusrite amp in. I then get my big angle poise, like big black uh, microphone stands. I then put in like, you know, proper big microphones and I've got like um, a pop filter. So ironically, when you say it, it does it away. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to, so avoid your ears, but I'm going to, so it's a little foam cover for the microphone and uh, I've got it on at the moment, but if I take it off, so now it's off. When you go, you can hear that kind of whistling noise and then I've put it back on and it, it, it makes a really big difference when people are breathing and also when people say a noise, it gets it away. And they're, they're all little things that just add up to something much more professional. And um, I chose like red XLR cables for the microphones. And and I've got these, um, the great thing about the Focusrite amp is, and something that uh, I thought was really, really key, uh, was again, to create this kind of enclosed sense of atmosphere was um, the Focusrite amp has a real time output direct from the amp. And it's got... Uh, 
you can plug a kind of 3.5 mil jack into it with a divider. And I've got two really long headphone cables and I've got these really nice Sony headphones, which are, uh, but they don't say on it, uh, MDR-V55. And they're, um, they're super good quality and they're relatively cheap, but each person wears one. And the really good thing is that uh, it really makes a difference. If someone's like two meters away from you on the side of a table, uh, and you've got the headphones on. It feels like they're actually talking in your ear and you don't hear anything around you. And just very slowly, you just feel this sense of enclosure. And um, I, I, I personally think it makes a big difference. So, you know, they're thinking I'm just this random guy who comes in and suddenly I whip out what is, you know, I think it all came to like 500 pounds, like uh, apart from the laptop, obviously. Uh, but you can use any laptop for that. Um, but yeah, so for like four or 500 pounds, you've got professional podcast um setup uh and i actually went on youtube and just typed in podcast setup until i saw one and i this guy was like he was holding the microphone you could hear the quality of the audio he told me exactly how to set it all up um and i bought everything that he had like i literally went on the website i'll try and find the link and i bought everything he had and i was blown away by how good it was um and then software wise to save money, we uh, use something called Audacity, which is a, a free piece of software for Mac or Windows. And I'm looking at my computer screen as we're recording, and you can see the levels of the microphones. Um, you can see the sound wave as you're recording. It's totally free, and it records as separate audio tracks. Um, and the great thing is that uh, once you've got both the audio tracks, you can kind of adjust the levels to get it about right. But um, you then export it, as an mp3 or an aac file which are two different formats but they're kind of the same um if you if you have a podcast and you're listening to this and you're like oh what an idiot i can't believe he's doing like that just yeah please tell me because i don't know uh this seems to be working for me as a setup so you use audacity you do your full audio you export it as a like a really nice clean track um but then you know with all the best intentions in the world, there will be times when the person leans away from the microphone or takes a drink or suddenly gets a bit animated or very slowly leans away or leans forward. So the levels will vary slightly. So there's another free piece of software. It's super simple to use called Levelator. And this is like, again, an app for Apple or Windows. And what that does is you literally drag your MP3 or AAC file, drag it directly into Levelator, and it goes through and just makes sure that every bit of audio, irrespective of who's saying it, comes out at the same level. So it takes all the highs and lows of each person. And then you end up getting this super consistent uh, recording, which is which is brilliant. And you end up with these, you know, considering I've never done it before. And I did a, like a, a podcast that I was really proud of. It sounded really professional. I mean, God knows what people think of the actual interviewing technique, but audio wise, it was really good. So to go back to where I was, so... Uh, I had all this equipment. I needed someone to test it on. I'd had like a field test with my mum on holiday and a campaign manager. And then I was like, who can I interview? My poor wife who has to put up with all my ideas. So she's a primary school teacher and just done a dissertation. So uh, I didn't have any warning. I, I wanted to kind of throw myself in. I was like, right, I, I don't know anything about what she does. I'm just going to bring her upstairs into my man cave in the, in the loft, which I'm recording in now. And uh, I'll sit her down and actually interview her. And uh, so, yeah, so like 50 minutes later, we'd had like a really fun chat. I actually like learned quite a bit about teaching. Uh, 
and what was really cool was she enjoyed it as well and she'd never heard her voice on microphone and obviously once you get over that first 20 to 30 seconds a minute of your own voice uh because you can hear your voice so clearly in such crystal quality in your ears um yeah it was it was it was really good fun i didn't know anything about teaching and that was a that was on the point where i was like you know what i'm gonna do it i'm gonna book my next one so um I will talk about the first podcast uh, and then I'll talk about how I release the podcast and what software I use. So um, I've actually talked a lot about the podcasts um, uh, before on the beginning of all the other ones. So I'll kind of skip over them because I've been talking for quite a while now. But um, yeah, again, a recurring theme is if there's one person that's listening to this and smiling and and they're enjoying it and a few other people clicked off, I, I guess that's fine. Like, um, yeah, this is this is really a like a personal kind of enjoyment project. So th- this is why I think it, I think podcasts are amazing for anyone. I, I think it focuses anything you're interested in, and to me, it feels like a real zero pressure situation. Like no one's expecting me to do it. The cost is non-existent because it's all free. It goes out onto the internet, and if no, like if no one listens to it, then. I've gained from it by talking to someone that I'm really interested in and I love doing that. And then I've documented those things and I actually think if you come at it from a point of view, you really don't mind if no one listens to it and you just do it because you love it. I think inherently the way you talk about it comes across massively. So um, if there's anyone out there thinking of doing a podcast, my my advice is 100% just do it. Literally, what have you got to lose? I love doing them. So, uh, so yeah, so... That is the end of the second third. Actually, if you're going on time, this is massively not in thirds. But uh, this, so we're getting into the uh, the the last part, which is where I talk about how I got the interviews. And um, so we'll start off with Assemble Studios. Now, in terms of like who I was aiming to try and get on the podcast, I called it the Create More. But then the first people I interview are architects. But if you know anything about Assemble Studios, they're kind of to me they're very much on the cusp of theatre art, architecture, they're young, they're very community-based, they don't really have a business model <clears throat> in such that they all they all kind of work together. They're, they're like they're this whirling hive of like activity and uh, momentum and, you know, if they need 30 people to do a massive cinema then in, in a petrol station, they all club together, they all work together and they do that. And then if they've only got a few projects on or they've all got their individual ones they work from home they work in there they do tutoring and then they all club together again i mean as community ideas go it's wonderful and i thought it's it, for for pretty much 95% of the run of the podcast it was by far the most popular and the one everyone spoke to me about um to me it also felt like a perfect extension of being at uni doing what I did, studying architecture. And then I felt that that should have been the next step. And then you only can do big skyscrapers when you're much older. Um, So I was desperate to try and talk to them because I love their website has these beautiful images and I really like them. So uh, I'd actually worked with Jane Hall, who is someone that works at Assemble. And I hadn't spoken to her. I worked with her on Broadgate, so like probably five years ago now. I worked with her for a couple of months. She left to go back to uni. So I was like, well, okay, I'll email her and ask her, would she be interested in a podcast? Uh, and she didn't respond. I didn't, I didn't get a response. I was like, oh. And emailed again saying, I really hope I'm not hassling. 
but you know i just wanted to check if you're if you're up for doing the podcast you like, oh yeah this seems to be a recurring thing oh yeah sorry completely forgot to reply to your email yeah that sounds fine why don't you um how do you want to do it and i was like well i didn't want to just hadn't done a podcast with someone i didn't know um and i wanted it to be good so i actually went over there uh in the middle of the week because uh, i hadn't actually received uh my microphones yet i'd received everything else so i was like well i can't do it this week but i can come over and talk to you so i went over their studio and again from a personal exploration point of view i was desperate to go and see how they worked and how they operated and i really wanted to see and you know how their operations work and uh, so i went over there she showed me around everything but what i did was um I wanted to check if my question sounded meandering or stupid or just uh, yeah, anything really. So I had my um, my headphones, my little Sennheiser headphones, a little microphone, you know, at the lapel point. So <clears throat> again, I used my like podcast app, dangled the microphone uh, over you know, my jacket and then I left it on for like the hour and a half that I was there. And uh, we had such a such a nice chat. Um so we ended up sitting down and we ended up talking about loads of really interesting stuff. And I was like, damn it, I wish I bought my podcast equipment. Um, but if that had gone badly, you know, maybe I would have been like, oh God, maybe I can't do this. But it went so, it was such a nice, relaxed chat. I'm not going to say it went really well, but I felt very comfortable. And I think she felt comfortable and she was very eloquent and knew all her stuff and was very open to talking. So I went and sat down with them and uh, I went back, sorry, and, and on the way on the bus home, listened to the podcast thing, and I was smiling the whole way back because I was like, "There we go, I've done it." That that's like, that's like the first, well, the beta podcast, right? And uh, so I got back and showed back, and she was like, "Yeah, suppose." <laughs> so like, I was like massively overwhelmed, with, like I've done it, I've interviewed someone. She's like, "Well, yeah, you're good at chatting to people." I'm like, what, what do you expect? I was like, <laughs> "Well, you know, yay!" And she's like, "Well." I knew it'd be fine. I don't know what you were. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so then I went back the following week, sat down with her, and we went through everything we spoke through before. Oh, it was so good. It was so satisfying. I, I was just full of adrenaline afterwards. Like, I'd done it. I'd done my first podcast, and I had it recorded. But, man, did I shit myself that I hadn't done that recording. So, like, I clicked it all so slowly to make sure I had it all saved because I get so paranoid now that the recording hasn't worked. It's like my genuine nightmare. And I, I'll come on to later when I have pretty much lost it. It's the most depressing thing. And um, so, yeah, so I went back and then I was like, right, well, I've got a podcast. I've got an interview. Uh, now what? Um, so went back to Mr. Scroobius Pip and he said, I, I use Acast. Um, here's the name of their marketing person. Um, they're really, really good. Because uh, there's places like SoundCloud and things where there's like a sea of audio and there's loads of podcasts on there and it's really good to get involved with groups and stuff. But um, I was really keen on using images and stuff. I felt that gave me like a unique edge in podcasts and things. So... Uh, especially architecture ones. Like I know there's loads of design ones and stuff, but I think the the unique thing and that I'm really trying to push is that I guess I'm no different to anyone else. Like I just, I'm not amazing at anything. I just like chatting to people. And I do think this is, uh, the interviews I'm really uh, interested in are ones that I feel like I'm talking to that person. Like the, the, the every man is talking to a person. So 
you know, this idea that, oh my God, I, imagine if you bumped into like a famous movie star on a plane and you got to chat to them for an hour. Um, how exciting would that be? Uh, you know, with no agenda, you just literally just, they want to talk about themselves, you want to talk about them, you want to find out more. So that's really the kind of the vibe that I was going for. So I came back, uh, I did the intro uh, which was way harder than I thought. I can have a chat, like once I'm going, I'm fine. But to actually have to record, like even for the intro for this podcast, I had to record twice because I thought the first one sucked. I forgot information. And I was actually really nervous. Uh, that was the hardest part about the first podcast. So I recorded it. If you listen to it, you can hear it's in three very distinct chunks because I wrote like exactly everything I wanted to put in and then I read it back to my, and I read it back and it was so, so dry and so information based. Um, so I like I kind of ploughed through it and I was like, Do you know what? <sighs> fuck it. Fuck it. Just put it out there. Literally no one's gonna care. Just put it out there. So then I was like, right, what do I need? I need some I need the theme music, the theme music. Um so I went, you can you can get like a copyright free music on the internet, there's loads of it. And it was like it took me ages. I went through like fifty different tracks of like, well, I wanted something that was like not naive, not childish, but kind of fun and friendly and a little bit interesting. And so I found the perfect little royalty-free music and that worked out perfectly. And then put it on Acast and then I worked out, I had to do the front cover, which I already done. And uh, the same thing that Scrooby's Pip does, he takes a selfie of himself each time with the person. And I, I loved that. And uh, my God, so annoying. You'll notice on the photos at the end of the like the series, I keep forgetting to do it. I'm so like full of adrenaline from interviewing them and I'm so happy it's gone well I always forget to do it and I end up having to take a picture of a piece of cardboard next to me which seemed fine as a one-off but then the last four I did it in a row mm. uh, so yeah so that was so I went on Acast and I submitted it on Acast and I had like my publishing schedule and I did it on Tuesday night and it went out on like Tuesday night at midnight uh, and this was the big one for me and then I went on um, I, uh, I asked Monsieur Pip uh, if he would be interested, or would he just please, mate? Can you uh, can you tweet about it? That'd be amazing. Uh, so he did, uh, and that again was so exciting. There was like a hundred thousand people who got this tweet from Scroobius Pip saying you should uh, you should check out uh, check out this design podcast. And I got like sixty downloads in a day. I was like, oh god, this is gonna be amazing and uh, it was so exciting and I, I I put it on Facebook and loads of people were really nice and then uh, <clears throat> that was brilliant I was on a real high then I thought oh my god if I get in, my dream was to have a thousand downloads a month I was like that'd be mental a thousand downloads a month um, and I had 60, 60 downloads I was like oh this is, this is amazing I'm gonna make it and then the next day was like 20 and then the next day was five. And then it literally remained at five, ten, five, two, five, ten, two, five, ten, two. And I was like, oh. it's just a little bit deflated. And I was like, no, just it was good because it reminded me that it's exciting to get that kind of response. But then in reality, you're doing it for yourself. And that should always be your goal to make it as interesting as possible for yourself. And then that will that will kind of move on. So I was really, really, really happy with that podcast. I'm still really proud of that one because the, the actual theme hasn't changed at all. I don't feel like the interviewing techniques changed at all and it, and it went brilliantly. I had loads of really nice responses about that. So um, so I then, David Batchelor was someone who I knew through work. He was a, a, a like an art, a light artist and we'd worked on Broadgate together. And um, 
he's actually like he looks at like your classic art artist right he's like he's quite he's quite like um quite thin and uh you know very fit looking and he wears like cool artist clothing and uh, i saw him from afar and i think he was in quite a serious meeting and i was like oh god he looks intimidating as uh as like some like kind of well-established artist and then we got stuck between two meetings like later on like uh, this is like a few months before i asked him to see the podcast and uh, we had to wait for half an hour between two meetings one got cancelled and we were just stuck in a room together uh, and i started chatting to him and he was really nice and i thought He'd be perfect for a podcast. And he's interesting. He's not an architect. Uh, it's another challenge for me because he's like, he's very famous. He's well established. So I did tons and tons of research for it. Uh, watched loads of his talks. And I said, you know, I had like a full list of questions, every project I liked. And um, I think from an interview point of view, I'm probably almost as proud of this one. I'm probably going to say that about loads of them. But this one really felt like a start to finish really good interview because he explained everything. And... Um, so that was really, really nice. And then when I sat down with him, we were in his massive studio, like, and I got to go to a studio in Bow and he is brand new and I got to visit the whole place and that's exactly what I wanted me. And he was like, yeah, of course, you want a cup of tea? I was like, yeah, uh, I'll just set up. And he was like, okay, perfect. Um, so we're in his studio and we're about to do the podcast and I, I, he turns around and I'm pulling microphones and stuff out of my bag. And he's like, um, sorry, what are we doing? I was like, the podcast. And he was like, right, right. So what is a podcast? And uh, I think he thought I was going to just write down the interview and then like transcribe it later. And then as I just said in the beginning part, this theatre and atmosphere. So suddenly I start pulling out microphones, angle poised arms, massive microphones, headphones, amplifiers. And he's like looking at me going, oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, and then ended up doing the in in the ended up doing the interview and uh he really got into it and you know ended, ended up talking loads about kind of how he started and the great thing was he was explaining why it was so hard and things and I loved that um and then so after that one went out I then posted it and very few people had heard him he didn't have a, a Twitter account either so I've been promoting the whole podcast just through Twitter each time um uh so I then went to uh I then went to like I, I, Jane Hall. So for episode number three, I went. I loved Studio Weave. They're again a very story-based um, architecture practice. But the, there's not even like that architects. I mean, they are architects, but they're uh, they're kind of design, art, sculpture community again. And I love that. And uh, so Jay Un is one of the directors, the founding directors, and Jane Hall had used to work there. And when we were talking, I said, oh, do you know, I love this Studio Weave project called uh, The Lullaby Factory. It's, it's incredible. And she was like, yeah, I worked on that. I was like, what? Yeah, after Broadgate, I worked at Studio Weave. And I was like, oh, she's like, oh, you should talk to Jay. He's brilliant. He's, you know, he'll give you, you know, he'll give you quite a lively chat. I was like, what do you mean lively? Well, you know, he's, you know, he doesn't mind saying what he thinks. And I was like, oh, God, what if he thinks I'm an idiot? That's always my first call. What if he thinks I'm an idiot? So... So episode number three, this is the first one I didn't do after work. He was like, well, I can do 8.30 in the morning. So I rock up at 8.30. I have no idea what he, I, like, I don't know where their office is. I couldn't find the entrance. And I suddenly see this guy with like flowing black hair and it's Jay. And he's like, hey, he's wearing flip flops. And we go in, he's slightly, slightly hungover. And uh, we start talking and I'm right next to an air conditioning unit. So like the audio quality is not great. He doesn't want to wear headphones, which is fine. But then he kind of leans back, so <laughs> constantly trying to like push the microphone towards him, push the microphone towards him. But what happens is I ended up getting his audio quality right and got mine a bit wrong. And I was like, damn it. And because uh, I'm right next to the, uh, the air conditioning unit. 
So I'm a bit quiet in there, which really pissed me off. And uh, But he sounds great, so that's really fun. And then it was great because I'd never met him before. It was the first time I'd done that, I'd never met him. And then, so that that was really kind of confidence boosting that I'd never met the guy and we had a nice chat, but I ended up chatting about half the podcast before we'd even sat down to the podcast. So um, I go back, I edit the audio and as like a kind of cautionary tale, I had some like, I didn't have my nice head Sony headphones. I had some like crappy Sennheiser ones and the, the podcast didn't sound very good. Like it was sounding really like raspy. And I realized later, only after putting it online that uh, the headphones are gone. I didn't realize. So there's me like dialing down the treble in the mix, like loads. And, um, uh, I'm actually like making it really flat. And I only realized when I put on my nice Sony headphones, I was like, what a stupid thing to do. Um, oh yeah. So I should say that, uh, I edited it all. Uh, so once you get the audio clips, the intro, you know, the main interview and the outro, um, uh, I then edit it all in GarageBand, which is super simple, and you just drag and drop each part, and then change the levels and things. Um, but it was it was around this time that I was starting to like work out what I should say at the beginning of each podcast and what I should say at the end. So the end was always like they're nice bookends to a podcast, right? You don't, I, I don't think it's great just to go straight in. And um, so we, um, so I started, you know, like I would say what's on the podcast and why it's interesting. So the idea is that the first five minutes of the podcast is like a trailer for the rest of the podcast. But it also, I mean, the goal is later on is to support, I don't know, galleries or Kickstarter campaigns or anything I'm interested in at that time. So you can record podcasts. So what I'm trying to do with series two is record podcasts, um, you know, maybe one a week for four weeks. That's what I'm trying to do. Record four before Christmas, ideally around Christmas, and then release them every two weeks. So as a kind of a buffer. But then the great thing with that is that you can, um, I can then record the intro and outro, uh, almost two days before or the night before it goes out. And in that respect, I mean, what I really want to do is if there's a friend with a gallery opening or they need support for anything else that, um, genuinely I could do advertising and I, you know, but I think I love the idea of getting involved and the, the podcast has given me the perfect thing to get involved. So my dream is that someone's listening to this who does a Kickstarter campaign or does something. It's like, oh, well, Ben just talks about anything. He'll talk to me and find out more about them. That, that's my dream. So um, I'm going to kind of fly through the rest of the podcast because they're relatively recent and um, I will kind of, I talk about them a lot. Um at the beginning and the end of each podcast and it'd be great if you know if people go back and listen to them uh, but the first three were the ones that really kind of set the tone and gave me the confidence to kind of go on and then all the rest from there I felt I felt really good about doing like I was really excited about doing them so episode four was with Jason Bruges and they're a studio who do like interactive architecture and I actually went to like their studio at like relatively busy time of the day and I met the director and I sat in there and they were really impressed all the audio equipment I had and then for the Jason Bruges one uh, I recorded that put it on up an Acast and then in the morning I was like right I'll go on Instagram I'll post on there I'll go on Facebook post on there but the big one's Twitter so I asked Jason Bruges to for, to tweet that and he tweeted it and uh, just to give you an idea of how Twitter works. So I was blown away by this stat and then also kind of slightly disheartened by the stat. But so Jason Bruges has, let's say, 20,000 followers or 10 to 15,000 followers. His design studio have 5,000 followers. So they both tweeted it. <clears throat> and then Scroobius Pip also picked this one up. Um, 
So that's, you know, let's say 140,000 followers. And then Make tweeted it, my architecture practice, and uh, not mine, the one I work for. Uh, and then that was another 20,000. And then Ken tweeted it, uh, Ken Shuttleworth, the director. That was another. So you're looking at around 200,000 people on their feeds will have seen a retweet or a tweet. I'm not sure exactly how it works, but that's a shitload of people. And I was like, this is it. This is going to be amazing. And only about, I think it was something like 70 people or 50 people like downloaded it on that day or clicked on it. So I was like, oh, so it's kind of this kind of, I think Twitter's great. And I've got a lot of interviews through that. And I've got like kind of groundswell support through Twitter. And it's been a great way to promote it. But it just shows that, you know, 200,000 people, 50 to say 60 downloads, that is a massive uh, hit ratio of people to downloads. So, um, yeah, so that was kind of really eye-opening. Um, and then, so we're kind of nearing the hour mark. So I've gone on way longer than I wanted to. But um, if you're still listening, this is like, for me, this is a real kind of way to document what I did. So in a year's time, I can listen back to this and go, Jesus, Pen, what are you going on about? Um, and then episode five was with Scroobius Pip because I actually st- struggled. Two people dropped out. Uh, they were like, we're too busy. We can't do a podcast. And I was like, shit, I didn't want to ask Scroobius Pip until the end. Because for me, that was like, a, that was again, one of the dreams of the podcast. Imagine if I got to interview Scroobius Pip, that'd be so cool. So I was like, ah, oh, uh, Pip, do you mind? Can I come over to yours? Would I would like, I would do the, I would dimension at the drawing show I've got and I can interview you. He was like, yeah, sure. I was like, wow, this is way faster than I wanted to do it. Oh, am I ready for this? I'm ready. And went around and that was that was the most relaxed of all of them I've been. I know that sounds ridiculous and he's the most famous, but I knew so much about him by then that I was de- like a real fanboy geeking out and I got to chat to him and I was like, oh, so happy with that interview. It was brilliant. It was like, um, yeah, it was a bit of an anticlimax afterwards. Cause I was like, oh man, I've done the dream I set out to do. Where to go now? Uh, and then the week after, someone else was like, can we move it to two weeks away? And I was like, well, I'm not going to pester someone for a podcast. So I was like, yeah, sure. <clears throat> and then, uh, yeah, God, I'm going to go way past the hour mark. I hope you're enjoying this. Um, and then, so actually I recorded the Ken Shutterworth one, which is actually episode seven before the Alistair Parvin one, which is episode six. And he's from WikiHouse. But what happened with the Ken Shutterworth one was I was like, wow, I need to, I, can I ask Ken? Can I interview my own boss? That just sounds like crapping on your own doorstep, doesn't it? But ah, go on. So I just went and sat down next to him and I was like, Ken, can I interview the podcast? And he was like, uh, yeah, sure. Where do you want to interview me? And I was like, in a meeting room. And then I realized the acoustics are appalling in our meeting rooms for microphone. They're fine for a meeting. They're nice and bouncy and stuff. But for an audio thing, you want kind of really good quality uh, sound. So we've got this like broom cupboard and it's just been emptied out. And I was like, I can make that broom cupboard soundproof. And he was like, okay, all right. Bearing in mind, this is two days away. So, you know, like the MacGyver professional that I am, I propped up two massive bits of two by four with a blanket on. Looked in, I was like, done, that'll do it. It's like a dust sheet. And uh, bless our like human resource manager, Vivian, she uh, she looked at it and was like, you can't interview Ken in a broom cupboard with sheets on the wall, Ben. Come on, for God's sake. I was like, wow, come on, looks great. Uh, and then, so... Ken was like, right, well, how about you just 
no, this is Vivian. She was like, how about you just find out how much some acoustic material is? So I went online, found these like acoustic walls. I think it costs like 450 quid, these panels. They're like those grey egg crate foam. They arrived the next day at like six and it's five in the evening and I was interviewing Ken at 11 o'clock the next day so I stayed until like nine o'clock at night put some nice red chairs in there some really nice felt chairs to dampen the sound like meet like half a meter above the ground and then two meters high I did I just wrapped the room in this foam and then thank god it was all done by the time Ken came in um what I, sh- I should have and what was really interesting about the Ken one is he was like um he was the, he's basically the head of a very very large company and uh i had not really i'd never really understood the full kind of importance of the marketing department that's not that they don't do an amazing job i just i'd never had to find out what they did and like when they heard i was interviewing ken they were like well what are you going to say i was like well i don't know i've not really written down questions and they were like well you know he's you know he's in the press so it would be good if we could see the questions and i was like oh okay and then, thank God I did, because I, I, I like wrote all the questions. I was going to ask loads about his history. And they were like, um, maybe maybe shield away from some of those topics. Uh, and luckily I did. But the interview went really, really well. But it was the first time, because, okay, another dream was to interview Thomas Heatherwick. Because uh, <clears throat> I know someone that works there. And I also tried to get James Dyson on the podcast. You know, like, go big, right? I bet you're thinking, you you really tried to get bloody James Dyson but interviewing Ken gave me a real eye opener to what it's like to be running these big companies right because you know you want to try and focus how the media perceives the company and stuff because you know it's really really important when you're up at this level and that was really interesting to think you know suddenly like there's me going well why wouldn't Thomas Heatherwick sit down with me and then I was like hang on why would Thomas Heatherwick sit down that's utterly ridiculous what what does he stand to gain from that other than me getting a really famous person on a podcast so um that's still a you know that's still a dream in the pipeline but yeah so that was really really cool uh and then then so then I was all up and running. I had this like soundproof recording studio at Make. So Alistair Parvin from WikiHouse was number six, episode number six. And uh, I was like, he's like, I don't have a meeting room. I mean, they've got one of those cool like uh, group offices. And he was like, I was like, well, what are the odds that I now have an office? So I brought him in. I had a great chat with him. And uh, we, we learned about so much stuff again. So, and he was kind of really inspiring because he was around the same age as me and he'd done like so much cool stuff. Uh, and that kind of made me just think, you know, he was just doing his own thing and uh, he's doing like the wiki house and stuff and you should definitely go back and listen to it. It's like open source architecture. And uh, that, so even though I'd interviewed Scroobius Pip, Ken Shuttleworth, all these other people, the Alistair Parvin one ended up being by far the most popular one. As in before I later got get into iTunes and stuff. People loved that interview because I think especially I realised that that my my audience, so people who knew me, are in like architecture and design. So when I interviewed like Scroobius Pip, a musician they'd not heard of, they were like, yeah, you think he's famous, but we'd not actually heard him. Some of my friends had, a lot a lot of them had. But suddenly when I interviewed Alistair Parvin, everyone and Assemble Studios, everyone knew who they were and everyone was super interested. So they were the two most popular ones. You know, above Ken Shuttleworth, he's like, you know, famous architect. So... That was really, really interesting uh, just to see because on Acast you can see the kind of spiking and stuff of like where people download at what time of the day, you know, what day they download, whereabouts in the world, whereabouts in the country, which city. Um, 
So that was really, really interesting, you know, seeing the power of Twitter and, and trying to work out my audience base. Um, and then I interviewed Sue Butcher, who's like a social media expert. And is You know, she's got 20,000 followers. And because her followers aren't just following her because, you know, because she's famous, they, they, they love social media and the, the stuff that she does. She's got quite a quite a strong engagement with her Twitter followers. So when we did the podcast with her and then we released it, that network of people that she she invests in so heavily on Twitter, they hoovered up that podcast as well and she heavily promoted it. So again, that was a really, really positive one. Um, but yeah, so we're getting up to the end of the podcast and the end of uh, the series uh, download. So uh, I will start wrapping this up. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And again, please tweet in if uh, Ben, shut the fuck up. You're going on for ages. Um, so then at around episode eight, in my head, I was going to do, I was going to do 25. I was going to do one every two weeks for a year. That was my goal. And I just, I didn't, I was really struggling to kind of find people past these 10 that I got. There was just a natural lull and I was struggling to get people. And I didn't want to like, just say yes to anyone. Please copy on the podcast. I'll look for anyone, just someone to fill the airtime. I really didn't want to get like that. And, uh, you know, it was, it was stressing me out. And so I was talking to my wife and uh, she was like, why don't you just wrap it up at 10? That's great. Just a first series. And then you can do another one when you've kind of worked out who you want to interview. And the second she said that, I was like, yeah, it's a really good idea. Just that the weight dropped off my shoulders. And then ironically, I then said that on the uh, Sue Butcher one. Oh, this is, uh, sorry, on, on episode nine, which is with Chris Romilly, where from Studio Octopi. I said at the beginning and the end of that one, this will be my last episode. Uh, the penultimate episode sorry and that suddenly to like the day that that came out uh, I had two really really nice people tweet me going don't stop doing them Uh, one of them uh, I've mentioned their names already Uh, one of them was like oh we put you you know I ask my student I tell my students to listen to you Uh, so you're kind of on a listening list as part of our uni thing for architects I was like that's really nice that was I didn't know this person. They had no reason to say it. So that was really nice. And then another guy saying, no, just keep doing it. Keep doing it. So, and I had a really nice tweet, uh, like a text chat, tweet chat with him. And I was like, oh, well, that makes me feel pretty good. And then that day, <clears throat> suddenly I had this massive spike of downloads. Like, uh, I'm just looking at the stats now in front of me. It was like, bearing in mind, I'd had 60 was the highest I'd ever had in a day. I had 120 and I was like, wow, people are really digging the Chris Romilly one. I must finally be getting the momentum up, right? And then uh, I get this email from ACAST and I didn't realize that two days before, I noticed this slight build up, but two days before ACAST had put it on their popular list and I was starting to get a few more curious people downloading it and they sent it to iTunes and it suddenly on that day popped into their news and noteworthy. So the head of marketing for ACAST, they're constantly trying to promote interesting podcasts and they quite liked mine. And that went on and it got sent to the iTunes kind of curator and they liked it as well. And they liked the logo, which is why they're in this colorful professional looking logo. They really liked it. Man, when that went on, on iTunes, suddenly I was getting 120 to 150 downloads a day. And I think the way they do it on that news and noteworthy. So if you go on your iPhone sorry android users you don't get to enjoy this part of the podcast uh, if you go on your iphone they've got this like banner in the middle of the podcast saying news and noteworthy and i think they put one on and one drops off every day for a month so there's like 30 you can choose from so for like the 30 days that i was on there <clears throat> bearing in mind i i think i just hit the thousand download mark 
So I had a th- no, that was it. I'd had well over a thousand downloads, but my dream, this is remember my dream at the beginning was to have a thousand downloads in one month. And I, I got to a thousand downloads in a month and I was like, I was so chuffed that like I'd set out to do something and, you know, lots of people might not like it. But some people do, which is, I love the fact that that's okay. That's fine. And I feel comfortable knowing that. And this is just something that I love doing. And I got to a thousand downloads and I was like, wow, this is amazing. Like, I can't believe I'm now going to end it at 10, right? I'm like, so instead of having any sort of break, I just went straight into like organizing this <clears throat> and then trying to, um, uh, get a load more people. Uh, so which I'll come to in a minute. Um, I shall do that at the end of the podcast. Uh, so yeah. So, and then I was getting like 150 dollars a day for 30 days. Right. So suddenly like at the end of the iTunes thing, I was on like four and a half thousand downloads. I'd had 3,500, no, yeah, something like 3,500 downloads in 30 days. So I was like, man, that's amazing. But it kind of just, it made me trip and fall. Like I was like, so, shit, suddenly I need to get someone really big for the next one because I've got this like massive audience like waiting for it, waiting for it. But, you know, it's very difficult to work out who's actually downloading it, who's clicking on it, listening to it for a bit, who's staying with it. So as I said at the beginning, it's the subscribers that I'm really proud of. So now we've dropped off. So like... Episode number 10 was Victoria Thornton from Open City. And the Chris Roma Lee was like a Kickstarter campaign, which I loved. And uh, Victoria Thornton was Open City, which these, they're, they're kind of things around architecture and design and like storytelling and things which I loved and making architecture open for anyone. And these are all themes that I really, really enjoyed. And um, you should listen to them. They're really good. Uh, so, so episode 9, 10 came out. I have this massive explosion on iTunes. And then, I decide to have a break, you know, I'm renovating our house and it's just taking up all my time. <clears throat> and then suddenly the iTunes, I dropped off that 30 day thing. And then suddenly the downloads have gone back down to like 10 or 15 a day. But that's because I haven't released another podcast again. But I can see on the days that I release a podcast, I've got like 200. And I know that's the second I hit download. So they're the subscribers. But um so yeah, that's kind of the, that is the story of the podcast. And I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry if I've just been waffling on, but it was just something I really want to get off my chest. It's kind of this like time capsule of information. And I fully intend to do another series of 10 and then do another one of these and there'll be different trials and issues and stuff. And, um, you're, you're, I'm trying to be as open as honest and possible. And I hope that you're appreciating that and please kind of tweet me and stuff at like, uh, create more podcasts. But I just thought, um, I'm going to bring this up now. I've got, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, explain. So if I go to shows overviews, right. And then go to statistics on Acast, when you, uh, when you put a podcast on there, you can see, so I've got this, like the day that I first released the podcast, I've got this big green, like it looks like a mountainous green range and it's a very like almost at sea level for quite a long time and then you can see when I go on iTunes you can see the day that it's on there's this 30-day period from the 1st of October 2015 to the 1st November at this like massive well to me on mine because they're very low at the beginning you can just see it very gradually getting up and it's got this average line you know like a median line going across the whole thing and um when I did uh episode uh 10 with Victoria Thornton she heavily promoted it and I had 400 358 downloads in one day which was absolutely amazing it just shows you the power of iTunes and stuff and that was that was pretty much all through iTunes um but I'll wrap up on like um so total downloads so far have been 4752 which I know 
for a normal big podcast that's nothing but for to me it was it was massive and I've got this like huge world globe of where people have been listening so as you'd imagine United Kingdom is uh, is winning out there with uh, over, just over 3,000 but inside of that you've got predominantly London but then like Lewisham, Nottingham, there's like 50 to 100 in like all around the country. And then actually there's like quite a few in Ireland, uh, surprisingly, like a lot in Dublin and in Cork. And then I've got like almost 100 in the United States and we've got them in man, uh, Weehawken, Portland, in Cupertino, New York City, Brooklyn, Hollywood, San Francisco. Uh, what's kind of cool as well is I know there's a friend who lives in San Francisco and I can pretty much tell he's listened to two of my podcasts because uh, I also had there's ones in Australia, South Africa, Japan, Malaysia, New Zealand, Italy, Brazil. God, it goes on. Switzerland, Tanzania, Spain. And I know that my very good friend Craig lives in Canada <laughs> and he lives in Toronto and I can see that in Toronto there's been one download. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I'm sure it's not quite that accurate. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that is the very long-winded story of how the podcast happened and how I did the whole thing. And uh, any questions, please tweet me, please. Uh, yes, uh, create more podcast. And... Um, so yeah, so thank you so much for listening. I um, I will end this and then in the recap at the end, I'm, I want to explain what I'm doing for series two. So uh, that's it. That is the end of series one and the end of the making of. So thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Okay, well, there you go. That was the making of the Create More podcast by Ben Stewart. So um, yeah, I do go on, don't I? Uh... But I really, really, really like doing, uh, talking about the podcast and, and it's such an important thing that I, I feel like I do. Not not just, you know, I'm not saying it's amazing, I'm just saying for me, um, I really enjoy doing it. And uh, yeah, I said to have a break. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, I won't waffle on anymore that I already started organising uh, episode series two. And what was really cool was um, what pushed it forward was I actually got a tweet from as I said in, a, in episode 10, I actually got a tweet from Wooden Overcoats asking if I would come down and interview them. I was like, yeah, of course I do. So I kind of, <clears throat> as I was saying at the beginning, or kind of in the middle of this, that um, I just kind of want to keep trying new stuff and doing new cool things. So obviously the format of the show won't change. Uh, uh, maybe I'll change the theme music. I don't know, go crazy, who knows. Maybe I've even put bed music at the beginning. I literally don't know how crazy I might go. Um but I want to try and so I haven't interviewed two people at the same time. So uh, for the <clears throat> Wooden Overcoats one, I'm going to interview their both directors if they're both available on the same time. And we're going to do it in their recording studio, uh, hopefully with their recording studio equipment. <coughs> um, so that'd be really cool. I'm also interviewing Fred Mills from B1M, who started his own internet consultant company of all about BIM, which is amazing because he's like young cool guy and is like trying to I think they're trying to get a million people to subscribe to the B1M website lofty ambition but awesome uh and then who else have I got organized um there is a guy who does between the liner notes uh it was something that popped up on Acast I listened to and he's 
he did exactly the same as me. He started off doing lots of podcasts, uh, interviewing people, and then he's actually moved to like documentary style making, and he's done all about MTV and other ones, and it's really interesting. And he's in New York, and uh, I tweeted him uh, about how, how much I enjoy his podcast, and he tweeted straight back, and I was like, hmm, have you ever done a Skype interview? And he was like, yeah, I would record it with my expensive recording equipment and you would your end. We would Skype, but only you would hear what's in the Skype thing. And then we would merge the two audio tracks. And I was like, amazing. I haven't done that before. All right, wicked. And then we were trying to do some virtual reality stuff at Make with our Oculus Rift headsets. We were struggling with a bit of the uh, kind of computer power stuff. And uh, so one of the guys I work with, his girlfriend works for a place called Unit 9. So I was like, can we go and meet the creative director. So we met one of them uh, and we went over there and they showed us all this amazing stuff. I mean, genuinely mind-blowing virtual reality stuff. You know, that's the future I see of like animation and stuff, all done with like computer game engines and stuff. So he was like, yeah, sure, I'll come on the podcast, show you what we're working on. I was like, brilliant. All right, there you go. That's four. And then I wanted to do a bit of a special, like a really interesting Kickstarter. And I love this idea of kind of uh, crowdsourcing. So I actually found out that there's two guys in my office, one who's just started a Kickstarter campaign for the lightest foldable bike, which he's just, he's just done off his own back. Uh, and he's like getting the carbon fiber frame done by ProDrive. And I was like, I really want to find out how he did that. And then there's also a guy in our office called Sam, who, uh, the other guy's called Peter, there's a guy in our office called Sam, who uh, did a book about what it's like to be dyslexic and has already done a really successful Kickstarter campaign. It's his second one. And he's like really young. Uh, Bastard. So uh, I haven't asked them yet. So if they're listening to this, consider this your invite. But what I want to try and do is interview those two separately and put them maybe on two shorter podcasts, maybe half an hour each and release them, you know, within 24 hours of each other to give them both like equal weighting or whatever. And I thought that'd be really cool. Um, And then the dream, Thomas Heatherwick. That is a real pie in the sky one. But, you know, as I said, go big. And then someone I'm really trying to chase is uh, Alanda Baton, who is a really famous philosopher uh, and also is involved in architecture and stuff. So living architecture is called. And I emailed their like media consultant or like guru or whatever, their advisor. And they said maybe in March, February, March. I was like, all right. Johnny Tucker, who's someone else I've been trying to get. He's the editor of Blueprint magazine. He said he, he can do January, February next year. And I was like, okay, okay, cool, cool. So there you go. That's like seven already. Factory 15. I don't know if you saw fa- uh, Kibway from Factory 15. He did Robots of Brixton. They're like a animation unit from the Bartlett. And they moved and set up their own practice. And we're working with a make. And they do these incredible renders. But he does their like movie animation department. So, um... Ooh, there you go. Shake all that information off, guys. That was a good good podcast workout. So if you're still listening, man, you should listen to the Joe Rogan podcast because you're obviously a long podcast lover. And um, if you enjoyed this, definitely listen to his because if you like the waffle, he goes on for hours, three hours as podcasts are. So uh, I imagine no one will get to this end. I tell you what, tweet me, hashtag I did at create more podcast. Um, and then I'll know, <laughs> like the one of you, literally no one. I could say anything right now. No one's listening. <laughs> uh, hashtag I did. Okay. Thank you so much. And series two will be coming out in December. And you guys are amazing. And to all the subscribers, I uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Bye-bye.
Worried you'll need to babysit your robot vacuum? Think again. Meet Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum with AI-powered navigation to recognize and avoid over 100 objects. It's the winner of five Best of CES awards. And Digital Trend says it boasts almost all the same features as robot vacuums that cost twice as much. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com, that's E-U-F-Y.com, and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.